Everyone's ready for the word. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I love you so very much. And I know we love you, Lord. And we thank you for the love of Jesus in this room today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for your promises that we are a blessed people, highly favored, a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart, Lord, and called uh, by your, your very son. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, as we look at your word, as we think about your soon coming, God, as we look at the last days that we're living in, God, may we not be filled with fear or dread or panic or worry or anxiety, but may we be a people so full of love and the power of the Holy Spirit that we know we can overcome anything that comes our way because we have you, Jesus. Somebody said, Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Title of this morning's message, part of our Words in Red series, is Sheep or Goats. Or we could also title it Labor of Love. But Sheep or Goats, the Labor of Love. Matthew 25, verse 31. And I have the New American Standard I'm reading from this morning. But I just kind of want to review where we are before we get into this, because you kind of have to have the big picture here. And so here we are before the crucifixion. Jesus has used multiple parables to tell his disciples that he's coming back and here's all these secrets before his return and here's all the things you should do to prepare for the final judgment because there's coming a day when the Son of God will return to judge the world. And he's coming soon. And he doesn't want you to be unaware. All these things, there's going to be false prophets, there's going to be wars and famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. There's going to be uh, uh, all these things and they're going to give you over to persecution, tribulation. But doesn't, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. And he says, peace I leave with you, not as the world does, uh, but as uh, he's coming from the Father and he gives it to them. So he's telling them all these things. And he's like, and they don't even understand he's about to die, Okay. And so he tells them all these things and he gives them certain parables. And we've gone through these parables the last several weeks and we're ending today uh, this last section of parables. And he's told them, if you remember the last several weeks, we've talked about uh, the fearful fates of uh, the unfaithful slaves. We talked about the five foolish bridesmaids who didn't keep their lamps lit and lost their place in heaven. We talked about the lazy slave and the parable of the talents who buried his master's money. Uh, and was cast away. And, and today we're going to talk about some uncaring goats. And we're not talking about your family members or, you know, in-laws or anything. But we're going to talk about today uh, that how we're ask ourselves this question. Have you received the message of Jesus Christ? And if so, how has it caused you to love? If you've received the message of Jesus Christ, how has it motivated you, impressed upon you, filled you from within to love? And if we were honest, that answer right there, that answer, how we answer that question is going to make all the difference between heaven and between hell. How we love and how does that look in our life? Because we have the witness of the love of Jesus Christ. We have the witness of the work, the labor that he did on the cross of Calvary. And that has to translate into our witness. 
We have the witness of the love of God, and that should translate into my witness of loving others. And I have the witness of the labor of Jesus Christ on the cross, what he was willing to do to leave heaven, to come to earth, to die for my sin. And if I have that witness of his work, his labor, how does that translate to my labor, to my witness? Okay, so the witness of the love of Christ and the witness of the labor of Christ. How do both of those translate into the love I have for Him. So look with me today, Matthew 25, verse 31. If we've experienced Christ's love and labor, do we desire to love and to labor for Him? His love and labor, how does it translate into our love and labor? Matthew 25, verse 31. Read with me, if you will. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne... All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the from the foundation of the world. And he says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick. You visited me and I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or or thirsty and, and give you something to drink? Or when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and, and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. And he'll say to the ones on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. And sick and in prison, you did not visit me. And they'll say themselves and answer also, but Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Or Lord, when did we see you a stranger and naked and sick and in prison and did not take care of you? And he'll answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Then they'll go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Probably one of the most scary passages in the New Testament for me. And you see this separation and and then some of the anger and, and the shock and the surprise here. But what is Jesus saying here? Jesus Christ, the good shepherd here, he is separating those who faithfully follow him from those who follow their own way. And he is judging them according to their labor of love. And I'm going to say that phrase many times before we end here today in hopes that we will understand it and bring it to our lives. But he is judging them according to their labor of love. And let me give you some background here this morning. Let's talk about sheep versus goats. All right. Anybody on sheep? Nobody in this room. Anybody on some goats? Nobody in Louisiana owns some goats. Miss Shannon's over in the other building. Okay. Uh, sheep and goats. Okay. So. Here in this passage, we've got this thing about sheep and goats. And that's what the whole passage is about, sheep and goats. And so uh, in the ancient times in the Middle East, uh, sheep and goats often uh, 
this was a very popular thing to be a farmer of, right? And these hills, they just had grass and they're rolling a lot of rocks. And these, these Bedouin farmers and all these guys, uh, Palestinians, would take their sheep and their goats. And, you know, they had milk. They provided their whole livelihood, clothing, milk, all kinds of things. They could sell them. And we see this a lot in the Bible. Well, sheep and goats often were in the same flock, okay? They were often together. But sometimes the goats were a little mean, and they had to be separated. And sometimes when you're getting ready to shear the sheep and do different things, and uh, they would separate them. And perhaps you and I today, we look at sheep and goat here in America, and we tell our kids when they're learning, you know, my, my daughter's too. She's got those old flip books on animals. Even my two-year-old can tell the difference between sheep and goats. But in ancient times in the Middle East, they looked a lot more similar than we do. It was a different breed, okay? And so maybe the normal person wouldn't be able to tell so much the difference between the two, but the shepherd would really know. Shepherds know their sheep, and they would know the difference between their flock. And so they could easily separate them, but they would know, you know, goats are a little more slender. Goats have a beard while sheep have a mane. Goats have hair while sheep have a fleece. But more than that, there was a difference in their behavior. Goats were ornery. If you've ever had goat, I had goats when I was little. They're ornery. We would try to ride them. They'd buck us off and, and kick, you know, try to get us out of the pen and all different kinds of things. And these goats, goats are more curious. They'll eat anything. Uh, and they often wander off and they're kind of independent. Where the sheep is, they're going to eat the grass and their clover. They're going to stay in a huddle together and they're going to probably more likely follow the shepherd. And so this is how Jesus uses this passage, because they would have known this, that goats are curious and independent, but sheep's a little bit more docile and obedient. And he takes this this imagery, this symbolism that we have to apply to our lives, and he brings this passage out of Ezekiel 34. Okay, and I'm not going to have you turn there today, but let me just give you the background of this, because you have to understand these two things before we move forward. Sheep versus goats in Ezekiel 34. There was a great prophecy given. They said, God is a shepherd and he loves his sheep so very much. He's he's longing for his people that are out there in the world. Many of them don't even know him and they're lost and they're undone. They're in pain. They're in suffering. And he promises as a good shepherd to bring all of his sheep together one day to save them, to heal them, to restore them, to prosper them, to to guide them and lead them in the path of righteousness for his namesake, just like we see in the Psalms. But at the same time, he looks at them and he sees, man, there's all these things going on in their world. And he says, I'm going to deliver you not only from the evil of this world and for those who seek to devour my sheep and my my children, those who seek to divide them. I'm going to conquer evil on their behalf. I will break the sin off of them. I will put them in my strong right hand. I'm going to take them to a place of everlastingness. Right. But at the same time, within the flock, there's a problem within the flock. There are sheep who are getting fat while other sheep are starving. There are sheep who are pushing their way and pushing others aside to get to the feeding trough or the the good grass. There are other sheep who are trampling over the weakest sheep. And he says, and for those I'll deal harshly as well. They will be as if they were the outsiders, right? And this is the imagery and the parallels that Jesus is bringing, that he comes as a good shepherd. And Jesus comes to this world in John 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep. And then he preaches, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, all of this is anticipation of what he's doing and what he's going to do. Okay, now look with me here. Look back with me uh, at this passage. Who are the goats? Who are the goats here? Now, don't look at your neighbor. Who is a goat? 
You know, just like non-believers are in the world today, they're in with believers. There's one world, there's non-believers and believers. And just like uh, there is Christians in the church and there are true Christians and false Christians in the church, there are sheep and goats in the same flock. And there are people, just like that passage, we think about the story of the wheat and the tares. There are those that are, ha- that are existing together in this world today, but there's going to be a separation. And he says, there is some goats in my flock. And he says, Jesus comes, and he says, there's going to be a day where I'm going to separate these two, and the shepherd, he'll know who they are. You know what? Who you are will determine your eternal destiny. Who you are will determine where you spend eternity. Because why? The shepherd knows your love and your labors. He says he separates the goats to his left. What's the left place? The left place is a place of no favor. It's a place of, uh, uh, of casting out. While the right hand is a place of favor and exaltation, this is a place of no, uh, no favor, no relationship, casting off to the left hand. And he says, there's going to be a people who are going to get to heaven when, when this final judgment day comes. They have no relationship with me. They are a goat. They are not my sheep. And I'm going to cast them aside because they are not mine. And it's about not what they've done, but it's about who they are. You know what? In this room today, God knows who's his children. And God knows who's his own and, and uh, who they are. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? And he says, this is it. It's all about who you are. The master knows who is not his sheep. We can go uh, to church day after day. We can go through the motions. We can, whether it be in the world or in the church, God knows whether or not you're really with him or not. God knows whether on the inside of your heart you really are who you say you are. God knows if you're really his. And if this Christian thing is a bunch of works, if it's a bunch of religion, God knows. And on that last day, he's going to determine. I can see, while the world may not be able to tell between goats and sheep, and maybe it's all in one big flock, but there'll be coming a day where every person in this church, every person in this parish, every person in this state, every person in this country will be individually judged according to who they are, who they are in Jesus Christ. And he says, there was this great surprise. Look with me in that verse he, to the goats. He says, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked, sick and in prison and did not take care of you? There is a great surprise here. So God has already judged them. He comes, they go, this, so let's just say this goat gets up to heaven. The sheep's going off to the right. The goat goes off to the left. And he's like, well, this is my, it's about who you are. This is your final judgment. And there's a surprise there. He's shocked. He's like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. What's going on here, God? I, uh, how come I'm not on that side of the room? You know, it's like that kickball where they, you know, when you're little, you're like, which team are you on? You want to be on this team, but that one. It's like they split the room up. And he says, but, but wait a minute here. And it's not maybe that he was surprised about he was going to hell, but I think he was surprised about the severity of the judgment. He had no idea how bad it was going to be. And he's like, but, but wait, 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 Lord, Lord, Lord. You know how interesting it is that he calls him Lord. Because though he calls him Lord, and the Bible says that there will be coming a day that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is God. But the man did not, this goat, this man, this woman did not live in the servanthood of God while they were on this earth. But I'll tell you what, there's coming a day, even though you call him Lord at that last day, it's going to be too late. Because he's going to say, you didn't live for me while you were on this earth. You're, you might be surprised now, but they never submitted to his lordship while on the earth. But at that last day, he's saying, Lord, but Lord, I'm calling you Lord now. God, I'm submitting to you. Of course you are now. 
But what about the whole life you led on this earth? All the opportunities I gave you, all the times you were with my sheep in this world. You, you had all the opportunity to follow me. You had all the opportunity to, to see that this is what a sheep would look like. And this is how I called you. And you never did respond. But even though he knows he's over here in the side to go to, to hell, he says, but God, I don't remember persecuting you. God, I don't remember uh, putting you aside. I don't remember slamming the church. I don't remember talking about about my neighbors. God, I don't remember ignoring people. I don't remember uh, ignoring you or, or doing anything to harm you or your church. And they're surprised at the severity of their punishment. And it's like he's asking, why, God? But wait, God, why? He kind of cites his bad attitude. But more than that, he's citing his lack of love behind his labors. Look with me here. What is he what is he saying? Hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, in prison. He's not just citing the labor, he's citing the lack of love behind the labor. And the Bible says that there's one great command, and that is to love the Lord your God with everything that you've got, mind, body, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. These are together, and there's and, and Jesus is bringing this out for this morning. He's citing the lack of love behind the labors of those that are going to go to hell. You see, goats are those individuals that have selfish attitudes. Maybe they're preoccupied or oblivious or indifferent to the needs of others. Maybe they shut their hands to the poor or the strangers. Maybe they have little compassion on the needy. But most importantly, they're not aware that they're cold-hearted. That's the important part I want you to get this morning about the goat. They don't realize it. They don't understand. They've never looked at the word of God and allowed it to pierce their heart as a mirror to see, God, I don't line up here. God, I, don't, I thought I was good enough. I thought I did okay, God. I thought I was a good person, God. I thought I, I, thought I did okay. I didn't, I didn't intentionally do anything wrong, God. I didn't intentionally uh, uh, persecute you, God, or talk down about Jesus. I thought I loved, I said I loved Jesus. I was in the flock, God. I, I did these things, didn't I? And they didn't, weren't even aware. God, I don't remember doing that. They look at the situations, though, around them, and they, maybe they secretly look at a situation where they see a need in the, in the community, and they say, well, what do I get out of it? Why would I do that? Why would I sacrifice my time to, to go do that? Or why would I give up my, my freedom to serve in the church? Or why would I give up my, my time or my money to give to that cause or that need? They're kind of like that rich man that ignored Lazarus at the gate in Luke 16. Because their life is, is driven by the satisfaction of the flesh. You know, it doesn't have to be just things like drugs and sex and alcohol or immorality or wild parties that Corinthians tells us. But it could be things like what Galatians says is we enjoy our schemes sometimes. Maybe we have these divisive, conflict-driven personalities. Maybe it's angry outbursts or rage, unforgiveness that we hold on to. Or maybe it's just simply that this goat was just so interested in holding on to his own kingdom and building up his life to do things his own way. And so the master says, basically, ultimately, I look at your heart and I see that you were not compelled from within to love the least of my children. That's what he's judging them on. There was something inside. It says there wasn't there wasn't anything driving you to love other people. Maybe you did good things. Maybe you did some bad things. But on the at the end of the day, one, you weren't my sheep. And number two, I don't see any love that was like that from the Holy Spirit born again inside of you that was compelling you that you were. Yeah, you weren't you weren't trying and you weren't not trying. It was just this absence 
of love, that you, there was nothing compelling you, and you weren't focused on my kingdom, much less the least of my kingdom. Church today, without a true born-again experience, doesn't matter what profession of faith, what denomination, what doctrine, what church membership you have, if it does not lead to a Christ-like love for others, you don't have it yet. I'll be honest. That is where we stand here in this, this very serious passage, that only those who know God's love will love like Jesus. Only those who have experienced the love of Jesus can love like Jesus. Only those who kind of even can uh, look at the cross and look at what God did and say, my gosh, that's amazing grace. Can even comprehend how I need to give grace to others. Or those that say, wow, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sacrificed His, his body. He was anguished in His mind. His, his Spirit poured out for me. Then how can I not also do that for others or do that for my God too? You see, he's looking at them and he's asking, do you love like me? I think that's the, what he's asking us today. Do we love like Jesus? He's going to point at that last day to those who think, well, God, I, I didn't have a lot of bad deeds and maybe I was a good guy or a good gal, but he's going to point to the biggest source of sin in their life and he's going to say, you didn't really love like I love. You didn't really love me because if you loved me, you'd love others. If we love God, we'll have to love others. Let's look at the sheep here for a second. Who's the sheep? Who's the sheep? We are the church, uh, the, the believers. You know, the sheep here, he says, blessed are you. The sheep are called blessed. You know what that means? It means that they have, he already acknowledged them before they even got to the gate of heaven. He acknowledged them. That's my boy. That's my girl. I know him. We were just talking yesterday. We have this conversation back and forth, and I know that where I've been going, he's been going. And it's about who they are first. You see, he acknowledged them as his sheep first. He says, I know you, and you know me. we got a relationship together. And so he says, blessed are you because of our relationship. You've had that true born-again experience. You've been born by my Spirit, and you have an identity in my flock. It's not that you just look like you're there, but you are there. He says, you act like a sheep. Inside and out. And he says, for that reason, I'm going to take you to the right side. And that right side is a place of favor. It's a place of authority. It's a place of relationship. You know, the Bible says Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father up in heaven. That's that place of united relationship, of, of authority, of, uh, of highly favored position. And he says, I, I extend my right hand of fellowship to you. But you know, here's, here's, here's the most interesting part of this part. They were surprised too. Why were they surprised? Because if you look at this, if, you don't, if you're not careful, you'll pass this by. Because they say, but, you know, they get to heaven. He says, hey, welcome into heaven. And they say, but God, what, I don't understand. What don't they understand? I think in this part, when we get to heaven, the Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him, right? I think they get to heaven, the sheep gets to heaven, they're like, God, I had no idea. All this re- great reward, all this great authority, all, but God... Why do I need it? I don't deserve all this. I didn't do anything great. And he says, but hey, because you did it to the least of my children, you did it unto me. And he's excited. And he's saying, hey, but they're like, God, I don't even remember doing that. God, I don't remember uh, uh, blessing you there. I don't remember giving you money there. God, I don't remember that cause. I don't remember that need. I don't remember that situation. And it's basically like this. They're saying to God, Lord, we didn't do this to you. You know why? We just enjoyed, man, God, we enjoyed ministering because of your love. 
God, we love to sacrifice for your namesake. God, we enjoy. We even jumped at the opportunity to help the destitute, God. We, 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 we didn't know we were doing this on purpose, God. We, we, it was the distress, the disfranchise, God. We just helped them, God, because you helped us. He says, uh, God, we loved having fellowship with the lonely because you fellowshiped with us. God, we, we, we loved forgiving others of their debts, God, because you, gave, you forgave my debts, God. He said, at the end of the day, it's all about you, Jesus. So that's the attitude of the sheep. They were surprised because it wasn't difficult for them. It wasn't difficult. They weren't doing it for some workspace religion. They weren't keeping score of all their good labors. They weren't trying. It was just something, if you notice this from uh, look behind between the lines, it was just something from within them that they didn't even notice. I can't even imagine. They did not even notice they were doing good works. Think about this church. When we do things in the church, when we do things for the church, when we do things for Jesus, when we give to the poor, the needy, the outcast, are we doing it knowing like, I must do this because this is what makes me brownie points with Jesus. Or this is what makes me look good in the eyes of the pastor. This is the good thing that every good church boy or girl should do. No. And, and Lord, help us to get to that deeper place because these, these sheep that get to heaven, they say, I don't remember doing that. Honey, do you remember? I don't remember giving to that girl or that boy or that need. He's like, yeah, you just loved. It's just who you were. You just loved. And for that reason, enter in, faithful servant. Look at all that I have for you. And they would just be shocked and amazed like, God, why do I deserve this? God, why do I get this? And he's saying, because you did it for me. You did it out of love for me. You did it just because you knew me and I was in you and you were in me. And he cites what? While the goats, he cited their lack of love for their labors. The sheep, he says, you labored out of love. You labored out of love. And you see, the sheep aren't, they're, they're aware of the needs of others. The sheep are those that their thoughts go towards others, even strangers. Sheep have a missional heart, church. Listen up. Because why? It's who they are. It's not just the right thing to do. It's not something that we get conscious of laboring in love. We don't keep score. But we internally, when the Holy Spirit comes in us, we, things, we get things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, all the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what? We don't just stay away from sin just because we're supposed to, but we help liberate others. It's going that extra mile, see, that Jesus talks about. It's not about, uh, Lord, we're not only paying off our debts, but God, we're lending to others. God, it's not about just not stealing, but it's about giving things away. You see how this works, God? It's not about uh, just uh, working on my own problems, but God, it's about helping those who are in distress, whether it be the hungry, the naked, the sheltered, or the homeless, or Lord, even my neighbors. It's about... The Bible says that sheep are those that walk in the Lord daily. They walk in his word daily and faithfully. And the sheep are those, Isaiah tells us, are they're the ones that are motivated by the testimonies that see the chains broken off of others. Man, we should be a church that's excited for new believers. We should be a church that's excited for the things that God is doing in, in our community, in our church, in our families, to see chains broken off of people, that we are motivated to reach the world for Jesus Christ because it excites us to see people's lives change, marriages restored, to see their bodies healed, to see alcohol and drugs and addictions fall to the wayside and see, yes, God, it's not about that person, it's not about what we're doing, but it's about seeing Jesus Christ lifted up. That's why I want to do it. 
Right? Come on now. Are you with me this morning? Are we a people that just says, God, I'm excited for your name to be exalted. God, I'm excited for your name to be lifted up. God, I'm excited to hear people praise you who've never praised you before. I'm excited to see young people, old people, Lord, to come into a place together in unity while the world is separating against race and religion and age and political stance. But God, in your kingdom, everybody exalts you. God, I'm excited for those things. Because when we get to heaven, God is going to ask us the question, And we're going to get there and he's going to separate us and we're going to be judged according to our works. And he's going to say, will God say to you, you showed me you cared for my kingdom. You showed me you believed in the Christian message all by how you loved me. You showed me you cared for my kingdom by how you love those who I love. You showed me you believed in the Christian message that you really got it because you love those who I love. And I hope that there are people in heaven today for all of us that will come up to us at, at that line and say, you don't know this, brother or sister so-and-so, Mr. or Mrs., you don't know this, but your labor of love touched my life, and I want to thank you. I'm here today because of that one small thing you did, and we would look to that person and say, I don't even remember doing that. And that would be our, that's the reward that is waiting for us. To, God, I'm just here because I love you. God, I'm just here doing this because there's something within me bubbling up from within, and I'm not even doing it on purpose, God. It's just second nature because I'm your sheep. Amen? Will there be people in heaven that come up to this and say, your labor of love? Look with me in Hebrews 6.10. Real quick, look, you have to read this verse. Hebrews 6.10. I think it's on the screen. No, maybe not. Hebrews 6.10. This labor of love. You've got to get this, sheep. Today, it says, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love. A New King James Version. To get, he does not forget your work and he does not forget your labor of love, which you've shown towards his name. He says, and that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And he can challenges his church. The author of Hebrews, he says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence and the full assurance and hope to the end. You don't become sluggish, but imitate those through faith and patience inherit the promise. He's not going to forget your work and he's not going to forget your faith. What is it? Sheep or goat? Faith or works? This is a big issue that a lot of people talk about, especially in a religious areas such as we are in the Bible about faith or works. Faith or works, sheep or goat, faith or works. Jesus is not telling us here today, if you do good deeds, you're going to go to heaven. But he's telling us today that good deeds are a part of the evidence of genuine faith. Good deeds are a part of loving God. It's part of the overflow. It comes out, you know, you are, the Bible says, and I even wrote it, if, the five things, if you have a pen today, write these things down. Because the Bible tells us, number one, we are saved by grace through faith alone, we are not saved by works. But faith without works is dead. In fact, faith is perfected through works. But here's the key. Galatians 5, 6, Paul writes to his church, he says, but faith works through love. It works through love. Faith works in love. It, it, it all works together. That if I, if I love God, there must be this thing that comes out of me. I can't do works and expect good things in heaven. I can't, uh, I can't just have faith and not works either. They both go together and one flows out of the other 
But they both work together through the key, and that is love. If I love God, I'll have faith in Him. I'll trust Him. If I love God, then I will just naturally have His love inside of me, and I'll want to do good things for His name. And so he's saying, hey church, are you laboring in love through your faith? Are you laboring in love through your faith? How do you love other people? Think about it today. I want you to think about your life. Look at your life. Just take a moment. Think about your life. How you forgive others. How you sacrifice for others. How invested you are in the church. His body. Maybe it's not just this church. Other churches. The kingdom of God. Missions giving. How you love to be involved in worship, how you love to pray, how you love to give, how you love to do things for His kingdom. That is the indicator of how you love God. No, you cannot do those things without love and hope to make heaven. You can't earn those things. You can't do those things out of works only. But if you do it out of love, you can be assured that you have the love of God inside of you. And I want to tell you, to be honest with you today, if you don't love to worship... If you don't love to pray, and we all go through seasons where there's ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. There are times in my life where I don't feel like worshiping in the way that I always do, or I don't feel like reading. I don't feel the the emotion. That's okay. I still love God. But there should be something inside of me in a normal basis that says, God, I love to be involved in your church. God, I love to be involved in your kingdom. God, I love to worship. I love to sing. I love to pray and talk to you, God. And if there's not that love and that, that just, yeah, God, I just, I love to be with you, God. I love to, to see your name glorified. I love to see your kingdom grow. Be very careful, church, if that's not there. We ought to get back to the basics and say, God, I want a relationship with you. God, I need to push some things out of my life and get, get some, get, maybe there's rebellious things like these goats in my life, God. Maybe there's things I've been doing things my own way, God. Maybe I've been trying to follow my own voice, God. Maybe there's things, distractions. Maybe there's inner things, God, I need you to change. And he's going to say, Come on, let's do this together. I love you. Let's grow this relationship. But we've got to labor in love. And Paul tells his church in uh, Thessalonica, he says in verse one, uh, chapter one, verse three, he says, I hear of this church and he says, I hear and I keep bearing in mind of your work of faith and your labor of love, your labor of faith and your labor of love. I hear this. This is the report I hear about you. And do, is that what people hear about us at Sanctuary? Do they hear, man, this is a group of people, man, you hear about their love. You hear not just what they, oh yeah, they love everybody, they accept everybody, and everybody's welcome to their church. Man, this is a church that's just loving this community. This is a church that, man, you know if you go there, people will sacrifice for you. Man, they'll call you. They'll think about you in your down moments. They'll think about you in your good moments. They'll, they'll be willing to pick you up wherever you are. They'll drive across America for you. That's the kind of church that these people are because they're laborers of the love of God. It's not just words only. It's action and love. And it, whether it be sheep or goats, faith or works, it's going to matter about heaven or hell. Revelation chapter 20. I close with this. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. We're looking to this final judgment that Jesus is coming back. And John tells us, he says, I saw the dead, great and small. They were standing before the throne. And there were some books that were opened. And another book that was opened. And said that book was the book of life. 
And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds. Verse 15, and he says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Let me tell you how it works this morning. You will get to heaven, and before you hit that gate, Jesus will know, sheep or goat. He'll know. Not according to what you've done, but according to who you are. And first you'll make heaven or hell because of who you are, who Jesus Christ is on the inside of you. And if you have a personal relationship with Him, and if the Holy Spirit has born you again, you're living on the inside of the love of Jesus Christ, He'll know. It's because it's who you are, what you act like, what you think like, what you talk like, what you love to do. All right? And you'll be judged first according to the book of life, which says you'll either be in or you'll be out. And He'll separate you to the right or to the left. But then there are other books. That's the books of our deeds and our works and our labors. And He'll be judging the wicked and the righteous. And the righteous will inherit not punishment, but they'll be inheriting a reward. And He'll say, man, because you loved me, you did all these things for me. Here's your reward. Here's your reward. Here's your reward. Come on in, faithful servant. You just take a look at all the majesty that I've created and waited for you for. And they would go and they'd be like, God, I don't even understand how awesome this is. I, can't even, I don't remember doing this much. I don't deserve this. And they'll rejoice. And then there'll be the wicked over here and they'll say, God, but, but wait a minute. Sec- hold on a second, God. Hold on a second. I don't remember. I wasn't a bad... I didn't think I was that... I didn't, uh. And he'll say, but you didn't labor in love. You thought you were a good person. You thought you went to church. You thought you were just a good old boy or a good old girl. But there wasn't a love. Not only were you not my sheep, but according to your deeds will I judge you. You see, we'll be judging according to the book of life, but we'll also be judged according to our deeds. I want to encourage you today. Let this be a sobering thought, but let it be also a, a, a time of rejoicing for the sheep. That in Luke 12, verse 31, he says and tells us here on this earth, while we're here, church, seek first his kingdom. All these things will be added to you. Don't be afraid, little flock, he says, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Be willing to sell your possessions, give to charity, make for yourself money belts that don't wear out, unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Who are you and how do you love God by loving others? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? Who are you today and do you really love God And is it visible in your labor of love? Do you have a labor of love today?